the game. This is Love Set Match. I mean, Andre Agassi had this goal, you don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, you have to be better than someone that's across the net. I think you got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too. Welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, guys, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. And earthquakes, fires, ash-covered courts, and smoke in Los Angeles, we have it all. With my co-host, Valerie, we've been going through it. Valerie, how are you doing? I am okay. How about you, Philip? I'm good, but wow, I got shaken last night at about 11 o'clock. We had a 4.8, 4.6, something like that last night. What were you doing? Uh, I was right about to go to bed, and that me woke too. me right back up. <laughs> <laughs> I was laying in bed, uh, just trying to go to sleep. And you know, the weirdest thing happened, Valerie. Like, for about 10 minutes before the earthquake, there was a sound, like a, a, a subsonic frequency sound in my head. And I couldn't figure out what it was. I was like, what is this? What is that sound? And I got up and I was like walking around trying to listen like where it came from. Then I would cover my ears and then the sound would go away. So I knew it wasn't just in my head and I wasn't going crazy like I'm psychotic or Uh something. It's only in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I was really worried because I couldn't get rid of it. It was this very high pitch frequency, but it was kind of modulating. And I couldn't understand what it was. What's happening? And I was walking around trying to understand what happened. And then, and I couldn't sleep because I heard the sound in my head and I thought I was going crazy. I laid back down. I was like, oh, what is going on? I, I got to just try to sleep. I put earplugs in my ears to try to sleep. And then all of a sudden the earthquake happened. Is that the freakiest thing or what? Oh, that's crazy. And then of course, yeah. after the earthquake, it, the sound went away. So it was like some kind of weird thing that was happening with the earth that I somehow heard. Well, we need to get you in touch with some people, Philip. <laughs> the next time you have that feeling, can you call me? <laughs> That's I've been through. Uh, I, I've been through the Northridge, uh, Whittier quake. Right, uh, mm-hmm. we had one not too long ago. It was just like a small shaker. I, I've never heard that sound before. I think it was because this one was only a mile away from us here yeah, in were, El Monte, close. South San Gabriel. You're close too. Yeah. Yeah, we're both close. You're like two or three miles from it, right? I think something like that. Maybe maybe five or six miles, but it's still like that's so close in terms of an earthquake epicenter. Yeah. So that was that was crazy. I mean, what what a crazy experience. And then I was just, you know, like 2020, can you not please, you know? Like <laughs> you're it's, just bringing it's, it's it. It's been insane. It's really hard to keep that little voice in the back of my head that says it's like the end of the world. Like at bay, <laughs> trying to be rational, like, no, things are just happening, but it's like, oh my gosh, this they- year is just snowballing out of control. And it's, and it's that being said, a lot of that has to do with like, for us people in the LA area, it's just insane. The fires are crazy. Like, yes, you can't even, I can't even leave my house. I can't walk my dog. Right. Um, now I'm letting my animals out, but 
last week and the week before, like, I couldn't even let them play outside. They were just inside all day, and they could only go outside to, like, do business. Right. Uh, and, and they were miserable. I was miserable. It's miserable around here right now, a little yeah. bit, you know? Yeah, so weird that we were home quarantined for COVID and now we're home quarantined for the fires, you know? Yeah. Uh, Self-quarantine because obviously you don't want to be breathing this air quality that's like, it It actually says on Weather Underground, very unhealthy, right? The particulate matter. Today, yeah. it actually improved just a little bit where I actually saw blue skies and it just it didn't say very unhealthy. It just said very unhealthy for those with pre-existing conditions. Yeah. That means we're moving a step in the right direction. And, and yet, you know, my crazy friends are still playing tennis and they have been playing all the way through oh, all the smoke and stuff. Oh, that's so scary. <laughs> I, it's... So scary. I know, right? Long-term I mean, effects, I guess right? like some days aren't as bad, but some days it's like, you know, you walk outside, it's, it's pretty bad. And sometimes it's like raining ash. It's like, it's like it's snowing. Yeah. Our whole tennis court was covered with ash and of course our cars and everything, right? Yeah. People have still been begging me for lessons, so I'm still teaching, but I'm wearing an N95 mask, uh, you know, with the filter Uh so that it's filtering the air. And I don't really feel the effects of it when I'm doing that, so I feel kind of safe, and I I require my students to also wear a mask uh, just so I don't feel so guilty (laughs) uh, making sure that they're filtering the air that's going in but i feel like you know bane from batman as i'm teaching tennis (laughs) it's just crazy yeah the things we do for our passion you know right just it's nice well i just bought a treadmill so that i can like walk or do something you know Um, just just walk just the the basic walk (laughs) yeah because it's like i can't go outside i mean it's it's gotten so much better over the last week so i am like outside more yeah but i'm i'm not trying to like fully exercise and deep inhale like some sometimes like we just have new fires starting every day yeah there's there's a new one with a snow fire or something. Anywho, right. there's right. some in Palm Springs. Like they're just there's one in up up in the high desert. Right. Like every day there's a new fire and it's it's just like depending on where the wind's blowing, how bad it is, the air quality. Right. Um, and and they're saying they're not going to contain it. It's like 25% contained right now. So not even till like mid October. Yeah. Yeah. So and our hearts are like, just broken for all the people like Oregon, also Washington. They have the fires now too. And just everybody who's been affected by it, just horrible. Yeah. And my sister in San Jose, like they're, they're on fire up there really bad too. Right. Oh, you know, like this camp that I went to when I was in junior high, like burned down. It was so sad. Like my memories, they're all gone, you know? And, and, oh, and the, and the trees, right? The giant sequoias, some of those we lost. Up yeah. in Northern California. So yep. I know this is supposed to be a show about all things tennis, but wow, <laughs> our, our earth, you know, it's, it's we can't even get out there and play tennis because of all the other things that are imposed upon, you know, our tennis. And, and that really leads us to the U.S. Open because the U.S. Open almost didn't happen because of all of this crazy uh, coronavirus stuff that's happening still. Unfortunately, today, I think we just passed 200,000 in the United States. Mm. Horrible. I hadn't so, heard that stat. Yeah, so just horrible, but but 
How did you feel about the U.S. Open? I mean, I, I was really thinking they should have canceled all the way through. You remember me talking about that in the podcast. Yeah. But I've got to say, I mean, it definitely was the strangest Grand Slam I've ever experienced uh, on TV. Just so weird. But, but you know, I got to say, it was great to be obsessed with tennis again for just a little distraction from all the craziness. A hundred percent. It was it was great to have tennis back and real tennis, Grand Slam tennis, um, and in a d- totally different facet, like no fans at the U.S. Open, which is like, that was the one thing I ever had on my bucket list because the atmosphere at the U.S. Open is arguably the best atmosphere that exists in the tennis world. Right, New York um, Nights, and, you told me. Yeah, and like to not have that at all is very interesting, but I found... What made it kind of really cool for me anyway, as a fan on the couch, was like that they um, had the players have their own suites um, since instead of like chilling in the locker room together, everyone had like their own suite, all, all the seated players anyway, uh, <laughs> all the ones we want to all see. All the haves versus the have-nots. Yeah, I guess so, you know. It's a, that is it's our a whole rough world, world right now, haves and have-nots. It's, it's just, true. It's, it's true, but it was great. Like they would, like they were all out there watching the matches. So like you could just see them chilling, eating, relaxing, whatever, and like watching the matches. It was I, I found that to be like a silver lining type of thing. Yeah. Um, and I I really appreciated it and enjoyed that that part. Yeah, wasn't there that moment where uh, Naomi Osaka was like eating uh, food and she was watching Serena play? I cannot tell you because I watched too many matches where Osaka and everyone else was watching each other. Yeah. It seemed like they were always all watching each other. Men were yeah. watching women and vice versa. Right, and they were, right. They were just like always out watching. Yeah, because what else can you do? <laughs> yeah, there really isn't much. And then because they can't like, I don't know, they're just in a bubble. They're, the training scheduling was different and the practice courts were different. Like everything was so different, you know. And they probably closed down the card games that were happening because Benoit Pair got infected, and apparently he spread, you know, was possibly a spreader at the card games that they were having yeah. inside. So, yeah, yeah, that was some. That was interesting. I mean, poor Benoit Pair. But that was like really the only like COVID drama, right? Other than that, it was. It seemed like everything went pretty pretty smooth. That we know of. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't like a huge disaster. Right. It didn't make news. So anything that might have happened went on behind closed doors because it wasn't all that noteworthy, I guess. Right. I'm sure the USTA worked very hard to manage, you know, the PR to make sure that the bad news didn't get out because, I mean, this was so important for them to have the US Open happen. But, you know, kudos to them. They pulled it off. They... Uh, probably made a ton of money, uh, or at least a little bit more of money than they would have had if they didn't have it. So, and I think it just took a tremendous effort for them to get it done. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was good, and and honestly, it really was fascinating to see tennis at a Grand Slam level with no cheering. It was pretty stripped down, wasn't it? It was very raw in that way, just mano a mano. Yeah, and you could hear the players when they would say stuff or cuss and stuff. It was like, oh, you can like hear every word. The two things that I noticed that really stood out for me watching generally was 
Serena was so loud when she was playing, <laughs> like you could really hear her breathing. Like I, I'd never heard her like that before. Um, uh -huh. And I thought, oh, she was just, you know, out of shape or something. But I read that actually she always breathes like that. And I just, we've just never heard it because there's always crowd noise and stuff. Mm -hmm. so, so I thought that was really interesting. And the second thing was, it seemed like every point the players were talking to their coaches in the stands and the coaches were talking to the players in the stands. It was literally like they were being coached. And, yeah. you know, we had that whole kerfuffle about, you know, Serena's coach coaching her at the U.S. Open. And then now it seems like it's just, hey, just let it go. You know, they're they're literally talking to each other, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. What, what does that mean? Maybe it doesn't mean anything. I think it should happen anyways. I think coaching should be allowed, but... Uh, oh, Philip. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> whether I, whether I it should be or not. I couldn't possibly disagree more. <laughs> yeah. Whether it should be or not, it definitely was happening there. You know, they were just constantly looking at their box and talking to them. And the coaches were like, you know, I mean, it, it, there was just no um, kind of filter on that at all, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Well, we have to start with the finals, right? I mean, just to recap, I'm really excited to get to our fan favorite reporters because honestly, I think the fan favorite reports are like the best part of our Tennis Pal Chronicles. I love hearing from these people from all over the world. Um, and we have a new Rafa reporter and possibly a new Del Potro reporter. But let's you and I just talk about the finals real quick. What was your impression of the the women's and the men's final? Let's Let's start with the men because I felt like that was more epic. It was epic. I I was really shocked, you know. I almost was, like, not going to watch. Like, you know, I was, like, doing dishes and stuff instead of glued to the TV because I was like, I can't believe how one-sided. I cannot believe how on fire Zverev is. And I, I just really thought team was going to take it a lot easier. But I never thought it was over personally because I thought nerves in the moment would start to matter and that eventually team would make it interesting. I still thought he would lose because it's such a big deficit to crawl out of. Yeah. But I, I thought he would make it interesting and then end up losing in four, maybe five. But I've heard people say the quality wasn't great, but I actually, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought they were smack. I love watching team. He smacks that ball. Like it just kind of reminds me of Rafa yeah. Um, just like how hard he, he hits every ball. It's insane to think that he does that for five straight hours. Yeah. <laughs> how? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't even do it for like 15 minutes. <laughs> I, yeah, I hit, I, I, and make it go in the court too. And, you make, know? and like, make it go in the court, yeah. <laughs> I can do it and think? hit it over the fence, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, for me, I was really shocked at kind of like the level of the fourth and fifth set, honestly. Not in any way degrading who they are, but just that they were so human and so real. It felt super like like club tennis. It really felt like, wow, nerves mm -hmm. were just destroying their body, taking away their talent and their skill, and they just could not hit the ball. It was just <laughs> insane. They just really couldn't. And you just don't see that with, you know, Roger, Rafa, Novak, you know? So it really made me feel like, oh my gosh, if the big three were here, they would just be, they would destroy either of these players if they had those kinds of nerves, you know, because yeah. they just couldn't do what they were 
built to do. It was so insane. And I think the highlight has to be Zverev, who has one of the best serves in tennis on match point serving a 68-mile-an-hour serve, right? Yeah. I mean, his body and his mind could do nothing but that in that moment. And for me, that was like, wow, that is so relatable. <laughs> that is like, that's me. That's yeah. my tennis. You know, that's like me choking, like trying to close out. He 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 could have closed it out. He was up, right? Uh-huh. Six five. And you know, that just seems super like human and super normal. That's what it felt like to me. And I and I didn't I don't really enjoy that because I really want to look up to them and just know that they're so much better than me. So for me, the relatable thing is not super great. It just didn't make me feel great about them because then I made me feel like, well, if Joker was in there, he would have destroyed them. You know, just the, the three are so much stronger. And I don't know if it's just because it was their first time, uh, totally so much on the line to actually have a slam, you know. And yeah. I understand that that's that's absolutely what it was, and that and the human the human feeling of that, and it put me in that situation. I would never be able to be in that situation because I'm not good enough. But put me in that situation, and I wouldn't even be able to, you know, win a game. So it's not. I'm not saying in any way that I'm better than them, but I just kind of thought that both of them were better than that. And especially team, because I feel like he is so physically strong as a person. He plays so much. You know, and that's the whole idea is you keep playing and playing and playing so that your match level is is high and 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 sure they didn't get to play very much during COVID. I understand that, but but to have that nerve breakdown was just stunning to me. It's true. I think um I think the fact that the big three weren't a factor did play into their nerves. Oh yeah. Um, because it's such an opportunity. Right. Um, this is it. This is it's the like chance. when Nadal gets knocked out of Roland Garros and like you see like I thought, oh my God, Roger's gonna blow it. Or <laughs> or the Djokovic one year, like you know, like whoever is waiting and they're like, oh my God, you know, this is my one chance. <laughs> like they must have been thinking that. But then also like I think team had a seven and one record against Zverev or something like that. Hmm. So in a way, Zverev rose to the occasion in the first two sets, no doubt. I mean, yeah. it, he just couldn't finish it, and it, he just needed one more set, and it was so hard. It was so hard to watch. It was like a train wreck, like watching a train wreck, you know? Yeah, but you know what? I mean, also, like, when Roger served out for Wimbledon. Yeah. Had two match points, right, on his yeah. serve? Like, I feel like the big ones sometimes also are human and have See, moments. They just don't blow two sets, two sets and a break up leads. <laughs> but, but see, the, in the final. To, yeah, but the huge, huge difference there is Joker read the play, played better than Roger and stole that. So, you know, the level went up, not down, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like Roger, like, you know, served less than a hundred miles an hour. He served, he served great. He moved, he came in, you know, Oh my God, this is going to be like a heartbreak again, but, um, <laughs> yes, you know. let's not relive doomsday. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> he would have been at 21. Oh, well, uh, yeah. Now Joker, <laughs> but Actually. The, their levels push each other up. Right. And I felt yeah. like Zverev and theme pushed each other down. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, it was so, um, I, I totally understand. I totally get it. You know, they're just like us. I totally get it. And I, I, I guess in some way that's like reassuring, but I don't know. I wanted to look up to them more. And because here's the thing, like I was really excited about theme because first I was excited about uh, Felix, right? Felix Ajay Aliasim played, I thought he had a, a breakout US Open. I thought he played incredibly well. Did you see him destroy Murray? Yeah, I didn't put too much stock into that personally because of Murray's previous five set match. Totally. I know he was tired and everything, but the way that Felix played was just on fire. I just yeah. was so impressed and I started to believe, you know, I was like, wow, look at this guy. He's going. And so I felt like that's a high level. Uh, even though Murray was slower, it wasn't like he was giving it away. I mean, Felix had to take it and he did. But yeah. then you saw Dominic play against Felix and Dominic destroyed FAA. I mean, mm -hmm. Dominic Thiem's level was so high because I thought there was some great tennis from both both of them, but ultimately Dominic was able to keep the level higher and make those extra winning shots that were just like those wow moments, you know? And then I started to say, well, this is this is Dominic's tournament. There's no question, right? And yeah, I, ultimately it was his tournament, but wow, the way he won, even his cramping and all that stuff, that was all nerves. He said it himself in the press conference afterwards. Everything was just nerve, nerve, nerve. And I was like, wow. Yeah, That's sure. so hard. So That's hard. Because it's so mental. It's such a mental game. That's what we love yes. about it. It is. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's one of the reasons that I love tennis. I'm so passionate about it because it actually helps you to learn to control your emotions and your nerves. So I agree yeah, with speaking you of people there. controlling their emotions and nerves, how about how about the biggest headline of besides team winning his first Grand Slam? Uh, and I think it was the first slam in like 15 years where the big three didn't one of the big three wasn't represented in the quarterfinals. Wow! Yeah, because of someone not holding their <laughs> temper. <laughs> <laughs> like total fluke, uh, you know, Djokovic hitting the t the lines person with the ball. Well, um, I said I said in the last two podcasts, just hand the trophy to Novak. You know, yeah. I mean, it it's a no brainer. It's you know, it has to be a miracle that he would lose, and <laughs> that's what it was. I mean, it, it was a miracle. But it wasn't a loss. It was just him. He he defeated himself. Yeah, I mean, but we we all know that the that that's the only way he's going to lose. Yeah, he is the best tennis player on the planet, and the only way he's going to lose is if he has a down day, if he beats himself mentally, if he has an injury, if you know. Yeah, there so much has to happen for him to lose, especially right. you know five sets match. Right. Um, but yeah, like that I have was, to qualify that, was really that and crazy. say he's, he's the best tennis player on the planet on hard court. <laughs> it's true. And hard maybe court grass. And, and probably maybe grass, grass as well. And, and damn close on clay, you know, <laughs> we'll see, right? Not we're we're going like, to see what's going to happen. We will. And how crazy, like Nadal lost today at Rome, not to jump around, but like. It is interesting.
Yeah, we we got to get to that because I think that's 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 really big news for for Rafa ever to lose on clay, right? I mean, that's just insane. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and, and then you wonder, like, well, Djokovic dropped a set to a qualifier today. Yeah. Uh, so then, like, does he come away with another th- th- uh, Masters 1000 trophy because Nadal's yeah. out? Like, does he walk yes. to the does he walk to the championship podium now, yes. or does yes. something crazy happen? Like, is this crazy? Like, are we witnessing craziness? Are things going to change, or <laughs> was that just like a fluke? You know, I don't know. I just wonder. I can't wait to see what happens. That's what I, I love think- about it. I think the the quotient for crazy is definitely much higher in our world right now that anything goes, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing it in the stock market. We're seeing it in business. We're seeing it in tennis. So anything goes for sure. You, you mentioned qualifier and really at the U.S. Open, what was kind of interesting was because so many players didn't show up, we saw a lot of players who really didn't have a name before uh, and, and did fairly well. There were some really great breakouts for them as well. So... I mean, that's an interesting aspect of tennis that's happening right now is this kind of rotation of new players coming in and kind of making their mark a little bit, you know, and showing the depth of tennis and how not only top 50, but top 200 players are have game. Oh, yeah. They sure do. That's great. And like, like you said, uh, Jennifer Brady played college tennis and she wasn't even first string, right? UCLA. Yeah. Yeah, she was a former UCLA player and just phenomenal. Yeah, it was really cool to see her to go far. I mean, it was really cool, I thought, to see Azarenka have a comeback. Um, and just as the same as with Team and Zverev in dramatic fashion, like how fast she came out swinging. And you think like, oh my gosh, Osaka's just has no chance. She's yeah. playing like she's playing too ridiculously good. Yeah. It's just I I love I love how momentum can shift in tennis. It's so cool to watch unless it's happening to Roger the other way around like that's the only <laughs> time it sucks but <laughs> Well, definitely it seems like age matters less right now. Uh, I mean, when you saw Vika on her return, that was phenomenal. You were mentioning the former uh, champion that you enjoyed watching. Kim Kleisters. Kim Kleisters, thank you. Oh, yes. I was I mean, really sad to see her get her butt kicked. Right, but just the fact that she can come back and play a high, high enough level of tennis to get to the first round and play through, you know, I mean, that's insane. And then the other kind of breakout story was uh, Pirankova. I mean, wow. That was amazing. And this is a, a lady who, you know, gave up tennis and hasn't played competitive tennis for three years and comes back and, and does so well at the U.S. Open. Insane. Yeah, that was cool. And she also is a mom, right? Right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just the fact that these people who maybe would be considered old can still play the game was pretty exciting. Yes. And then Re- even like Venus played well. Yeah. Yeah. And Serena is about to be 40, I think. Like, it's around the corner. Yeah. Should we save um, the Serena news for your report, or do you want to talk about it? No, we could talk about it in my report, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you got a lot to say. <laughs> um, 
I think there's plenty to talk about without Serena. Yeah. How about like Osaka winning her third? Yeah. Grand Slam. How cool is that? I mean, I know I was super excited. I I love Naomi Osaka so much. She's so lovable. Yeah. She's like the most adorable little thing I've ever seen. I want to put her in my pocket and take her wherever I go. Like, I I think from the moment I found her, not that I found her, but like once I was introduced to her and saw like an interview and press conference, I was like, who is this adorable little girl? And then watching her tennis, she's, she's amazing and fearless. And I love watching her play. I'm so excited that she's young and we hopefully have years to watch her. Um, and I was really excited that, that she won. I think it's really weird that she's won two U.S. Opens and had really strange, like, trophy ceremonies. <laughs> it was weird. I, I didn't enjoy the trophy ceremonies. I, I thought they were just awkward. Yeah. On on both sides, and especially on the men's side, because you just felt so, so bad for for Alexander, you know? I mean... As soon as it was it was done, his head was in his hands, and he was just he literally like stared at the camera, but actually was staring in space. And that face, that look of just utter disbelief, like "Am I here?" He it was like out of body moment, you know, and just heartbreak. Yeah, he fully had an Andy Murray Wimbledon breakdown. It was it was uh, touching, right? You I. I like him. I do. Um, so maybe I'm biased, but I felt like, wow, I really hope he gets one because it sucks seeing like grown men cry. Yeah. And you feel like, you feel like he will, you feel like he's going to learn a ton from this and you know, so, so much good came out of it, but you also feel like, wow, this is a very small opportunity where the big three didn't get to play. (laughs) Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. I mean, like, when else? When else are you gonna not have to beat Djokovic to get a Grand Slam for at least the next three or four years? Like, yeah, or at least one of the one of the three, right? Yeah. Any of them can take you out. So it's true. I see his chances of having an upset over the others just a little bit higher for some reason. It's yeah. I just in my mind, it's so hard to upset Djokovic. Like. Or Nadal on clay, right? Like at the, yeah. at, the, at the French Open. But I, I like Sasha. He's a cool kid. I think he's really cute too. That doesn't hurt. Uh, <laughs> with his wavy blonde hair and his cute little smile. Uh, so. Well, I I saw a picture of them, you know, because they're such good friends, and they were sitting in the stands together, and that picture was going around Twitter. It literally looked like an Abercrombie and Fitch like advertisement, you know. It, it was really just did. Like, come on, man. That was funny. I saw yeah, I saw that on Instagram, I think, but it was uh <laughs> It's cute. They're they're cute. They're young, but you know, I think honestly though, I really felt like I even felt like team was going to win when Djokovic was in it. Like I thought Djokovic was clearly the favorite, but I did. I do believe that team can beat them, and I th- and I think that now that he's won, they should be even more scared. Well, I just feel like I would feel more scared of team if he had come through 
as a champion instead of as like someone who just crawled across the finish line. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to be afraid of him, but I think team is going <laughs> I think I think team is going to have this new sense of belief. Um Yeah. Yeah. That's going to push I, him over the edge so that when he gets in that fifth set with Djokovic or Nadal, like he's going to react different. Yeah. But well, who knows? We'll yeah, see. This, he's had three chances and he didn't do it. And this is his fourth and he did, but they weren't there. So let's see what happens. I, I really hope that his confidence does rise up. And I, as I said before, wow, he was hitting the ball better than I've ever seen him. And he was so fit. I really just thought it was a walk in the park for him once Djokovic was out. But, but what a final. What a, what a contest of mental strength, really. Yeah. Dominic took it in the fifth set because I don't know if you saw those three forehands down the line in the fifth set that really showed that he could just, even though he was so tight and he was his whole body was cramping, he could still let loose and swing and just keep believing in his stroke and steal those points. So yeah, that that made me feel like he could do it. But really, all even up until you know the tiebreak, uh, Zverev had match points. So <laughs> just gosh, yeah, heartbreak, heartbreak. Yes, but should be exciting to see uh, what happens in Rome, and I'm super excited for the French Open. Yeah, I guess we can jump to Rome. As you mentioned, uh, Rafa Nadal just lost to Diego Schwartzman. And uh, I don't know if you saw the highlights. I didn't see the whole match. I saw the highlights. But Diego Schwartzman was in God mode. I mean, he he, he was out Nadaling Nadal. Uh, Nadal would hit his last shot that should be a winner on, you know, every point and he'd do it with his grunt and, you know, boom, you know, it's going, it's, it's winning. And then Schwartzman just gets that one back that Nadal has no ideas coming back and he took it. It was insane. Yeah. I, I missed most of it. I saw about four games, two, two and a half in the first set. I saw the end of the first set and then I saw the beginning of the second set and I, and I truly, thought Nadal will figure it out. Like I had somewhere to go. So I went to go take care of an errand. And then a friend, a friend of mine who's a Djokovic fan was text me like, yes, Nadal lost. And I was like, no way. Of course it was a fellow clay specialist that beat him. Right. Because Schwartzman is from Argentina, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, grew up on clay, played clay, and is so good, so fast. It's just insane. So I, I would never have called that, though. Man, somebody made a lot of money on the bookies, I'm sure. Gosh, I mean, what person saw that coming? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Schwartzman come close to taking the doll out and, and yeah. play him well, but, right. you know... Again, it's hard because Nadal does not resign. He straight will sets play you till every last point. Like, and the energy he gives off is like I'm winning, even when he's yeah. not winning. Like, yeah. it, it's a it's a feat right. to beat him on clay. And, um, and that's what I mean. Like, Schwartzman got one more ball back in off of Nadal, which is insane. Who does that? Yeah. That's why it was so shocking. And he beat him 6-2, 7-5. It was straight sets win. So, yeah. Well, that's why? the only way you're probably going to be. I have to fighting all the time with yeah. positive Clay. attitude. If you, get, if you Before, got one more, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. You can't give him any lifeline or he'll take it. Right. 
Well, you've got to feel like this is this the pain of this loss is going to put a fire in a doll's belly, and he's gonna he's gonna oh yeah practice he's gonna he's gonna come be back. showing up to Roland Garros with a vengeance. <laughs> he can't just he can't, just can't wait to take on Schwarzman again, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then sad news about Naomi Osaka, who we were just praising. She did have a hamstring injury where she actually had to pull out of the Western and Southern Open, right? The yeah. final, mm-hmm. and uh, and yet somehow was able to play through the. The U.S. Open and win, which I guess is just prioritizing your pain. Mm-hmm. But she said on Twitter, uh, my hamstring is still sore, so I won't have time to prepare for clay, which makes sense, right? I mean, can you imagine playing clay with a hamstring issue, like where you have to just hit 10, 20 balls per point? Yeah. And it's not she possible. Said, <laughs> not possible. And it just sucks that the tennis calendar is so screwed up right now because of COVID. She went on to say that these two tournaments came too close to each other uh, for me this time. So she is out, and which is the same reason why Rafa was out of the U.S. Open, right? He, there's no way he could be ready for clay after playing the U.S. Open. Well, we'll see. I bet your team makes it to the final. Yeah, he's got to have a lot of belief now, huh? I Yeah. I think he's but gonna. A, I think he's gunning for that. I think he wants to take that from Nadal's hand. I think I'm he has sure. a very good chance. Yeah, wouldn't it be crazy if this was Team's year and he won two? That would be insane. Back to back within like a that, month. That'd be so 2020. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> it would be, and 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 like you said, like just to back up, like how crazy is it that Osaka did pull out of the Western and Southern? Open with a hamstring inju- injury. She played through the whole U.S. Open injured and won the friggin' trophy. And didn't look injured at all. Yeah. Like, like I didn't that is see super it. compartmentalizing pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder because well. when I have anything that's even slightly sore, I'm like limping around like a little baby, like, you know, and, and I find I'm, I'll make excuses too, like, oh, I can't run that ball down. My ankle's tender, you know, whatever. <laughs> Like these people are so much tougher than me. It's obvious they're champions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my gosh, they've they've trained since they're babies. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other news that hit this week, which I thought was so weird, and I we probably can't really get into it because it's so rumor based, but just the whole Daniil Medvedev. Have you read any of the rumors that are on Twitter and what's happening right now? You know, I think I need to get on Twitter. I say that all the time. I've been telling you that for like three years. Tennis pal Val. Uh, I need to do it, but I I haven't, um, and I didn't see it. Um, I'm I'm literally learning about it as I'm looking at the show notes right now. I'm like, whoa, what? Yeah, I'll try to explain it to you the best that I can, and and then I'm just going to send people to, to Twitter to go research this because I don't have the facts. I don't really know what's going on, but apparently there was a 17-year-old uh, female model who liked some of uh, Daniel Medvedev's posts, and somehow he found out who she was and kind of was like stalking her and had predatory behavior, set up a fake account and started sexting her with all these like terrible, you know, very lewd comments. She's 17, mind you. And, um, and she at first thought, you know, this is just some 
internet troll. And so she asked uh, Medvedev to verify that it was him. And she recorded him. She asked him, okay, from your official account, like me uh, so that I can see that it's actually you. Um, and so she has this video of, of her account being liked and then unliked like seconds later you know, proving that it was him. And yeah, unfortunately, Daniel Medvedev is married. And so he's doing all this kind of shady stuff with this girl. And so this girl, she recorded all this stuff, took, you know, screenshots and video and all this stuff of all these texts and everything. And she put it out there. And uh, of course, the stupid internet, as soon as she put it out there, everybody started attacking her as like, it's her fault or, you know, she's a liar, all this stupid stuff, right? And so now a lot of people are debating the whole male-female thing, uh, the whole Medvedev thing, and yeah, it's really tough. So really weird stuff going on. Um, the person who broke it, their account is at B-I-B-I-S Dropshot. So at Bibis Dropshot, you can read what he posted and then see all of the things that the girl posted and I guess make your own decision, but... Yeah, very, very bad news for Danil to be put out in this way uh, and obviously to have his reputation being taken down like this. And, and especially if he is acting in a predatory way, what does that mean for, for his place in tennis, you know? Yeah, I am interested to hear more about this. Now that you've told me, I'm going to go look into it and just kind of see, you know, uh, for yeah. curiosity, um, mostly curiosity because you know i have to know these things supposedly if, if i'm doing a tennis podcast <laughs> i should i should have my finger on the pulse a little bit um it's research it, <laughs> yeah but it it is it is interesting and then um yeah i don't know it's really weird because uh nicholas and i watched the uh nicholas our old rafa reporter um and i watched the us open together frequently this year and whenever we were watching Daniil's matches um we were talking about him and I was looking at his Instagram and showing Nick like oh look he posted a picture of him and his wife like from their wedding like it's their anniversary or something and so it's just weird that this is happening so quickly after I I just found I didn't even know he was married I just found out and I thought oh how cute he's married and I'm like, oh, how cute. He's married and he likes other women op <laughs> openly. Oh, <no. laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. So there, there it is. That's, that's the news that's happening and it's developing. And we'll find out more as, as it happens and uh, share. But we have some Love Set Match news I wanted to share. So we've been announcing the Federesque coffee table book and we have a winner. So the winner is Natalie from Los Angeles. She's actually from our backyard. Oh, how cool. We don't even have yeah. to ship it. <laughs> uh, no, it's still going to be shipped by Federesque, probably from Switzerland. But, oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah, so she's going she's gonna to get that book, which is super cool. And I, I think it's so cool that she's actually here in L.A. We've never met her. We need to meet her. So, Natalie, let's meet. That would be kind of fun because yes. she's uh, apparently a hardcore Federer fan. We just want to say thanks to everyone who entered and followed us on YouTube. We really appreciate it. I did get a lot of emails verifying your YouTube accounts and 
Really appreciate it. That was super, super cool. Yeah, speaking of books, last podcast we talked about Rich Nahar, Rich's new book that just came out, Drop in Tennis Secrets. So if you didn't listen to that podcast, I encourage you to check it out because he has a lot of really insider information on the USTA and what's happening in American tennis. And and I think that's very interesting uh, where he's coming from. And also he gets a lot of emails from tennis professionals all over the world through his tennis club business newsletter. So please listen to our last podcast. I think that would be super cool. And oh, Valerie, speaking of books too, we have a new uh, yoga for tennis book that I'm developing with Marsha Gray. You remember Marsha did that yoga for tennis podcast with me. And out of that, we just said, you know what, yes. let's, let's do something that really benefits tennis with yoga because she's a certified instructor. She used to train naval officers and I just feel like she has so much to share and she's also a hardcore passionate tennis player so hopefully we'll have that book done in the next month and uh, we'll get that out so that's super fun fingers crossed yes I can't wait this ends part one of our coverage for the U.S. Open and our tennis news stay tuned for part two on our next podcast featuring our awesome fan favorite reporters thanks for listening